This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I used to see it a little bit more in buildings. Now, remember those, those things that said uh, break glass in case of emergency? You don't see them as much. Sometimes they would have an ax behind them uh, so, so you get firemen can get to the different uh, the fires where they have a fire extinguisher in case it doesn't, you don't remember those. Go ahead, guys, run those things. Uh, this, is, this is pizza and, and, and what's, what's the, yeah, in case of emergency, right, right. And what's the, what's the, yeah, in case of invasion from Mars, break glass. So uh, the, uh, I wanted to I wanted to do a message. This is uh, this is different from our series. I wanted to do a message this morning on uh, in case of loss. And what I wanted to do was bring a kingdom perspective about what to do with this upcoming week, on whether we win or lose, on whether you win or lose. So this is one of those break glass in case. So you wake up on Wednesday morning if you're not happy. I got a message for you. This will this will this will help you. But in all seriousness, it is, it is a message about what we face as a nation and how we're to face it as a church. I think we need to understand. So let me give you some things this morning I really believe that will help you. That's again, this will not be a, you know me, this is not going to be political. This is going to be, how do we handle this from a kingdom of God perspective? So here's the, here's the first one, is regardless of who wins or loses, don't be so, especially in the loss, don't be so quick to narrow down the blame for whose fault it is. You know, people are like, well, I, I know whose fault it is. It's the other side's fault. Or I know whose fault it is. It's the church's fault. Because, Alan, you didn't tell people how to vote. Or I know whose fault it is. It's my, my crazy relative's fault. It, it, it's their fault. And what happens is oftentimes in a loss, people will narrow down the blame and they'll try, to, they'll try to blame one thing. I think we need to understand some things. We need to understand where we are as a country and where we have gone spiritually as a country. Here's an interesting statistic for you. From 1937 to 1976, the Gallup poll says 70% of Americans were in church during those years, church attendance. From 77 to 99, it only went down to 68%. Still a little bit of a decline, but not much. But from 2000 to 2018, church attendance dropped to 50%. That's a 20% drop. Now, if you're saying, you know, Alan, Church doesn't matter. Well, as a pastor, I beg to differ. But what it does indicate is that we're not a nation moving towards God. We're a nation moving away from God. And we have to recognize the spiritual condition of where we are. You say, well, it, it did, did the Bible ever speak to this? Yeah, actually it did. It spoke to this by saying that these days were predicted. Look what Paul wrote to Timothy. This is his last letter to Timothy. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he said in verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the Bible predicted that these days, that, that word perilous times come, is actually a word that says times of stress will come. And so these things have been predicted. These things are saying, hey, we're living in a day where there's going to be evil men and imposters and they're deceiving and they're being deceived. These are times that we're living in. And listen, regardless of who wins, our spiritual struggle is not over. It's still going on. So, we, so, so before you fix the blame, before you just assign blame to someone, just kind of remember where we are as a country. 
Here's another thing to keep in mind in the case of a loss or in case your side wins, is that people's emotions are a lot rawer now than they have been in a long time. You know, this, uh, this election is not the only challenge we're facing in our country. We know that. We've been involved in a pandemic for absolute, for, for months. And so this has caused strained relationships. It's caused economic uncertainty and loss for people. And this is, their, their routines have been disrupted. They've been isolated. And so here's the deal, guys. Everybody's been impacted. And so the idea that people's emotions and they are emotionally rawer than they used to be is a reality. You see, our emotions were raw before this thing hit. And all it's done is exacerbated. They did an interesting art exhibit in New York City about eight years ago, and it was called The Artist is Present. It was a very unusual exhibit in the Museum of Modern Art, Modern Art in New York City, and in 90 days, 850,000 people went through to see this exhibit. But this exhibit was very unusual because it, it required a performance artist. There was a lady by the name of Marina Abramovic. And Marina Abramovic, the whole, the whole concept was she would sit in a chair wearing a beautiful red gown and, and people would come and they would sit in a chair, just a wooden chair, right, right across from her. And she would stare into their eyes. She would not speak to them. She would not nod. She would not gesture. She would not smile. She would just stare at them and stare in their eyes. Now, this... This sounds like something that only New York City could pull off. But, but what's interesting is that the results of this art exhibit surprised everyone. Because every day, people broke down crying. And they broke into tears. And sometimes Marina said that she would break into tears. And here's what she said. Fascinating. She said, when people would get still and quiet, she said then that loneliness and that secret pain that they'd been hiding for so long would come out. She said, and what I really was, was simply a mirror to them of their own emotions. She said, I would sit down with people. She said, you could almost immediately feel the hurt in their lives. She said, there was one Hell's Angel biker, big tough guy, tatted up. He came in and sat down. He glared at her fiercely. But in 10 minutes, he was weeping like a baby. The idea is this, is that people are hurting. And that hurt people hurt people. And so the, adding something to a, lo a loss hurts even more. They say that it used to be, it's, it's more of a myth, the numbers were exaggerated. But they have found that when teams in the, in the home city that loses the Super Bowl, domestic violence goes up a bit. And so... When people are hurting, it, it, it causes bad reactions. Hurting people hurt people. Say, so, well, what do we do? Well, I suggest that what we do is follow Jesus' example. He gave us the best example of what to do because when people are hurting, oftentimes there's some stuff that comes your way. And whether you're, your side wins or loses, there's, there may be some stuff that, that comes your way. You say, well, well how, do I, how do I handle that? Well, I'm gonna show you one of the, the ways that Jesus did. Look what he says here. He didn't, Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, 
nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Regardless of what happens on Wednesday morning or whether we even know on Wednesday morning what happens, regardless of what happens, we have to understand whatever comes our way, we can operate in a higher way of doing things. We can operate instead of insulting back or hitting back or saying something snarky. And trust me, I am good at snarky. I understand snarky. I can, I can do snarky. I have to watch myself when something comes my way. Now, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to follow his example. And when he was threatened, he didn't, he didn't threaten revenge. When he was insulted, he did not speak back. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously. There's only one who really knows how to judge what's true and honest and right, and that's God. And so we take ourselves and we commit ourselves to him, the one who judges righteously. Understand that emotions are raw at this time. Understand this too. When, whether you win or lose, don't lash out in a loss and don't gloat in a win. Don't, don't listen, here's the thing. We, there's no sense in, in ruining relationships over this election, especially with people who may need us in the future. So I know, I know whole families right now who aren't even speaking from, because of the last election. Someone voted differently and they lashed out. People aren't just burning bridges, they're blowing them up. And the idea behind that is that, that these are people who may need us again in the future. So instead of lashing out, boy, if you lose, or gloating if you win, and, and sending all those things, you say, well, what are we supposed to do, Alan? Here's, the, here's what I'm proposing to the church. We're different. So let's act different. And Titus, this is what uh, Paul wrote to Titus. He said, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should always be obedient, always ready to do what's good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And that's a good verse. It's saying, hey, listen, what we have to remember is one time we too were ignorant and foolish and we were slaves. But thank God for the kindness and the mercy and the love of God. When we didn't deserve it, he cleansed us and washed us and saved us. So we can act different. Because we are different. There's a comedian and an improv uh, actor by the name of Patton Oswalt. Patton is well known for being very quick with a retort. You know, if he's in a, in a, in a, a crowd or a club and someone would say something to him, this brother could dice them up. And uh, he was well known for that. And so he, he went on Twitter one day and he said something sarcastic about President Trump. And a Trump supporter got on Twitter by the name of Michael Beatty, and Michael Beatty just lit in to Patton Oswalt. I mean, he hurled accusations. He said all these unkind things, man. He just, he said some really 
just horrible things. And Patton Oswalt was about to respond, but he did something different. He scrolled through Michael Beatty's Twitter timeline and found out that this guy was really dealing with some real problems. And so it caused him to send the following tweet. He tweeted out, oh man. He said, this dude attacked me on Twitter and I joked back. He said, but then I found what he's dealing with and this guy's in a lot of trouble health-wise. He's been dealt some bad cards. So let's deal him a good one and contribute like I'm about to do. Patton Oswalt set up a GoFundMe account for Michael Beatty, who's dealing with intense diabetes and something called keoacidosis. I guess that's a thing. I don't, I don't have it, don't want it, but it, he had it. And he was dealing with that, and his, his medical bills were just blowing up. And so he set up a GoFundMe account, and because of, of Oswalt's promotion, it hit the social media and began to trend. The goal was to raise $5,000, and many times over that came in for Michael Beatty. Michael Beatty responded back to Patton Oswalt, and he said, I am I'm so humbled by what you've done. He said, I can, barely con I can barely compose the words. He said, to think that my harmful words, you've caused me to pause and reflect, that my harmful words could cause this outpouring. I was thinking, no, it wasn't your harmful words that caused an outpouring. It was somebody was merciful to you and showed mercy. And what I'm suggesting as the church, as people who have received mercy, as people who have been forgiven, let's show mercy to people even when they say and do things that we absolutely do not agree with. Here's the... Here's where I get to, I think, the, the bigger part of this message. Those are just some practical ideas. Here's the most practical idea of all. Let's live with a bigger purpose in mind. A bigger purpose. And again, I'm speaking to the church. That, that we live with a kingdom purpose in mind. You see, in, in God's kingdom, a win is not proving you're right. A win is shining your light. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus is speaking. He said, you, he's talking to followers. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Just as a reminder, guys, we're dual, we have dual citizenship. We're maybe citizens of America, but we're also citizens of the kingdom of God and we represent a different kingdom. And our objective is we are to shine our light that people can see our good works, not our snarky comments, our good works, and glorify our Father. There will be people that you will reach because you were kind to them and good to them, not because you tried to prove that you were right. And the bigger our purpose is, the easier it is for us to move past some of the problems and the slights and the pettiness. There's a great example of this in the, in the scriptures where Jesus was going through a, an area outside of Jerusalem and he encountered a woman. The Bible said she was a Greek. She was a Syrophoenician. She wasn't Jewish. And she had a problem. She had a, she had a, a daughter that was demon-possessed. And so she was crying out after Jesus. Jesus, she, she picked up on some religious. She wasn't Jewish, but she picked up on the language. She said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And she kept crying out. And Jesus wouldn't answer her. Let's see what happens. 
He answered her, not a word, Jesus did. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This lady had a mission. She was on a mission. She had a purpose. And her mission and her purpose were to get her daughter healed. And she had to have a bigger mission and purpose because she had numerous opportunities to back off. Numerous opportunities to walk away mad. Here she is crying after Jesus and he's ignoring her. He's not even responding. Have you ever been ignored? It is, it is irritating when you're trying to talk to someone and they're just ignoring you. And I'm not, I'm not talking about husbands and wives giving each other the silent treatment. I'm just talking about people you might be out and you say something to them and they ignore you and act like you don't exist. That's enough to offend people. And she could have been discouraged because the disciples weren't helping her. The disciples said, Lord, you need to send this woman away. She is like screaming after us. No one's helping this lady. That could cause someone to be discouraged and throw up her hands and go home, but she had a bigger mission. And then she, she, Jesus says, when he does speak, he said, I, w- I wasn't sent to the, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh, so because I'm not Jewish, you're not going to help me because I'm not from Israel. Oh, because you Jews think you're better than us Syrophoenicians and Greeks. Oh, Is that the way this is going to work? She could have been highly offended at the racial prejudice that was perceived to come from Jesus. Oh, because I'm not Jewish, I don't get any help. My daughter doesn't get any help. You can see a Facebook post is starting to form right there. Then she goes, then she comes to the Lord and she bows down and she she says, Lord, help me. And he says, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh no, you didn't just call me a dog. You called, mm, don't you know, you just, you just, you wouldn't, you ignored me. You talked about my race and now you have personally insulted me by calling me a dog. Now, I don't believe Jesus ever intended to hurt this woman. He obviously needed to get her to a place. She had a mission and she basically said, Lord, if you call me a dog, bow wow. She said, even the dogs get crumbs. You see where she could have walked away mad, could have walked away offended, could have walked away upset, but she had a bigger mission in mind. Get my daughter healed. And because that was her mission, she was able to push past all that stuff. And the Bible said when she went home, when, when, uh, I think it's Mark that says her daughter was lying still on the bed. Peace had come to that home. She had a bigger mission in mind. Guys, let me just tell you something very, very clearly. Regardless of the outcome, the mission of the Ark Church has not changed. It's still for the saving of households. And that's what we're about. And because of the saving of households, I'm willing to push past some personal opinions. Alan, you don't even have any personal opinions. You wouldn't believe how strong a personal opinion I have. 
but it's not the mission. The mission is to reach people. The mission is, and as soon as you take, listen, as soon as I take a political side in this election, I alienate the other side, and that's not why we're here. We are still here to reach people, and that's what we're going to do, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. They say, Alan, that's great. I'm glad the ark, you're a part of the ark. We're a part of the ark. The church doesn't just exist in these four walls. When you leave here, you are the church out, out there representing the people. We're going to stay on mission. A great story I'd read last year about a, a young lady in Glasgow, Scotland. She was rebellious, grew up in her home. She finally just, her rebellion reached the point she rejected her parents. She rejected their values and their faith, and she left to live a life that was unrestrained. She went to, to live this life, and this unrestrained life took its toll. She wound up homeless, living on the streets. She sold herself for pennies, and depending on rescue missions, keep her alive. She's walking the streets because she had self-detached from her, her family. She didn't even know that her father had died and that her mother was still looking for her. One day she, she stumbled into a homeless shelter and saw a picture of her mother on the bulletin board. And her mother had put a picture that said, I still love you. Come home. And this girl, this, in her despair, but with a, a little bit of hope that maybe her mom still loved her, she began to work her way home, hoping she could find love there. And when she got to the door, she's knocking on the door with her heart just racing at what she's going to find. And then, and then her countenance changed because when she knocked on the door, it opened. And she thought, oh my gosh, someone has come in and harmed my mother. And she ran up to her mother's bedroom and, and just, just grabbed her mother and embraced her. Her mother woke up and quickly and embraced her wayward daughter. And when her daughter told her, this is the reason I came in, I was so concerned, I found that door unlocked and I thought someone had harmed you. And her mother said, oh no, dear. She said, from the moment you left, that door has never been unlocked. It's always been, excuse me, it's always been unlocked. That door's never been locked, ever. And I thought, oh my gosh, can we keep the door unlocked for people? Can we keep the door here unlocked to the Regardless of who walks in or who watches online, they can find the love of God. They can find the mission of the ark is to see people come to the saving grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Let's keep the door open. The last thing is this, and you wake up on Wednesday morning in case of a loss. Remember, that, remember this. God is still God. His kingdom is still eternal. And his blessings and his benefits are still in play. Regardless of what goes on, we still have access to his peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We still have the peace of God that can rule in our hearts. We still have God's help. Regardless of what takes place, we still have his help. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Regardless of what takes place, we know that the spirit that lives in us, John said, is greater than he that lives in the world. So regardless of what spirit or what's going on in the world, the one who lives in us is still the greater one and still has the ability to help us. And regardless of what takes place, we're still more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. Romans 8.37 said, No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. When you wake up Wednesday morning, I don't care who wins and loses, God is still God. And he is still our God. And we're still part of his kingdom, which never ends. A number of years ago, a missionary in China by the name of Gladys Alleyward was living in Yangchen when the Japanese invaded. Right about the time of World War II, the Japanese invaded China. And Yangchen was just a war-torn city, and she knew she had to get out. But she, couldn't get, she could not get out alone. And Gladys Alleyward and one assistant led 100 orphans into the mountains to go towards free China. As they're making this trip, these are children, small children. She's making this trip. The despair sat in with Gladys one night as she did not think they were going to be able to make it to safety. And after a sleepless night, she was so haggard and despaired in the morning that one of her little orphans, a 13-year-old girl, came to Gladys and said, Gladys, do you, do you remember the story of Moses and how Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea and they got to safety? And Gladys Alleward looked at this young, this young 13-year-old girl. She said, she said, my dear, she said, I'm not Moses. And the 13-year-old with the wisdom of a child looked at her and said, certainly not, but Jehovah is still God. And Gladys Alleward led all of those 100, 100 plus orphans into free China, proving again that God is still God and we can still trust him. And the bottom line is this, regardless of what happens, we still have a God who's good, who's big, who loves us. We overcome. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I said your bowed and eyes are closed. If you came today and said, you know, Alan, I'm, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that and he knows that. And maybe you realize or you just realize you've been away from God. We're going to say a very simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But this prayer is for you. If you're here or maybe you're watching online and you're saying, you know, I'm not sure where I stand with God and I want to be sure. This prayer is for you. If you realize I've been away, this prayer is for you. It's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. Heads are bowed here in this auditorium. My eyes are closed. If that is you that I'm, I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I want to be sure. Would you, would you pray for me? Real quickly, would you just slip a hand up across the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Great. You can put your hands down. If you're watching online, if that's you, listen, I want to encourage you to, to be a part of this prayer. We're going to say a, a, a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the whole church family is going to join you. All of us have been at this place at one point in time in our life where we've had to say, Lord Jesus, we need you. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Say this with us. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you can pray it quietly. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. My new creation in Christ. 
because I've said yes to you. Our heads are still bowed and eyes are closed and let, let, me, let me pray for you. Father, for the ones who prayed that prayer today, whether online or, or in here in the auditorium, I thank you for your grace and your help in their lives. They've come out of darkness into light or they've come back home. We rejoice in that. And Father, for those of us who have been walking with you, help us keep our mission in mind that we're citizens of your kingdom. Strengthen us during this time and make us a light and a blessing to the people around us. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our church. We trust you with our nation. And we trust that you're God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.